0: You have your Bibles with you this morning. You get extra point? No, you don't. No extra points. But if you do, turn there to Hebrews chapter 11, and then hold your finger there and turn to Joshua chapter 6, and then hold your finger. that No, we're not gonna. We're only gonna do two. So Hebrews 11:30. And then uh, Joshua chapter 6. Hebrews 11.30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. I read that verse and it's right in the middle of a whole lot of other verses that talk about faith. I also read that verse and if it was first time for me it would be rather blah. Now I'm speaking for myself, not for anyone else, but I read that and I think, wow, it's not really too much to that verse. It doesn't doesn't tell you a whole lot other than walls fell down. I think so so many times in scripture verses and passages are like this. We've heard them so many times, there's a couple of issues. We've heard them so many times that they become mundane for us. A lot of these verses we can repeat. I don't know what you're looking at, but I want to look at it. Huh, that's a pretty good title. I can always tell where you're looking, so that's great. They become so mundane to us that it's easy sometimes to take them for granted. And then actually, when you look at them, on their own, with no disrespect to God's Word, they don't, they don't say a whole lot until actually you trace it back and find out where that passage or verse is connected to and what it's referring to. And so that's what we're going to do if you'll turn now back to Joshua chapter 6. We'll find out where that verse is connected And really what it's saying. Now here's another problem in especially the old testament. We'll we'll have a show of hands. Always when you do this, you surprise people, you know, because people are timid and they don't want to raise their hands, you know, sort of like remember when you're in school? You're always embarrassed to raise your hand. Well, it's okay. I need your help. How many of you, as far back as you can remember? were raised in church. Wow. How many of you have been in church more than 20 years? Ten years. Okay. So I'm speaking to the masses. That's good. How many of these Old Testament stories have we read and heard since we've been in church or since we've been a Christian, and I've known the Lord for over 40 years, so I, I wasn't raised in church, but that also dates me, I'm sure, too. And so it's I, I include myself in that group. Did I hear these stories so often that they only become what? Stories. But inside those stories is God at work in people's lives. And I think sometimes that is really easy to miss until we're maybe forced in some way or another to study for a Sunday school lesson or a sermon or someone challenges us to dig in and find out really what it's saying here. And so we have a danger of even in Joshua chapter 6 of the Jericho, Jericho walls falling down flat we can read that story and it it can be just a story or it can be as it is, I think, God working in people's lives. Now here's another danger with Old Testament stories. Not only do they become just stories, but they become stories that we find it difficult to relate to. I mean, how does a 10-year-old relate to... A group of people foolishly walking for six straight days around a city. It's the same thing day after day after day after day. And humanly speaking. How does a 12th grader or a 10th grader in high school relate to a, a, a group of individuals following instructions that seemingly are no, nothing more than a story if that? How does someone that's been around for a long time in the church relate to a story that he knows so well? Can probably recite it frontwards and backwards. Let's find out. If you've ever been in life and been in a standstill for any reason, if you've had a blockade or an obstacle or a hurdle or some type of difficulty in your life. And that stretches to any age span. You know, it's easy sometimes as parents to think that our kids don't have problems. And when they do, we look at them and go, what's your problem? Problem. Every age bracket has difficulties, hurdles, obstacles. Things they look at in life and say, this is impossible. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to get over this. I'm going to share something with you that is stunning, and I think probably most of us know this. The number one reason that people commit suicide, you want to guess why? They don't think there's any way out. They don't think they can get over it, under it, around it, or through it. They're at a standstill in their life where it is impossible. Now I'd venture to say that no one here this morning is considering that degree of getting out. But when things are difficult, what do you do? When things are hard, what do you do? When there seems to be an obstacle in front of you and you've tried and you've sought counsel and you've read the Bible and you've prayed and and nothing changes... What then? Where do you go? And I'm going to guess the reason that all of you are paying attention is that every one of us are challenged by this. Every one of us have those. Every one of us. Here's a story about not only one individual in Joshua chapter 6, but a host of individuals that dealt with this very issue that all of us have to deal with. Difficulties in life. Challenges in life hurdles in life, obstacles in life, and how to deal with it. You're going to hear this morning, maybe for you, mundane answer. But this all plays out and God spells it all out and what He's all about. And it all is about God, by the way, anyway. No matter what you're dealing with, I've heard so many people complain about problems and the answer is a really, really short word. God, He has the answer. And irregardless of what other people tell us, irregardless of what the church tells us, irregardless of what anybody says, God has the answers to all of our issues. I know when I violate that principle and that understanding and that belief, it's, it's when I think that either I do or there's no other way. I think this is really good to to share this this morning because we just finished, our church did, and Ryan just finished up the book of Genesis. And if you know the history in the book of Genesis, uh, the twelve patriarchs come out of the book of Genesis and begin to develop their own family lines and carry on God's hopefully God's promises. In many cases, it doesn't work too well. But out of all of that, they spend all of those decades and decades and decades in, in Egypt under the hand of Pharaoh. And when God says it's time to leave, He raises up a leader by the name of Moses. And Moses leads his people out of Israel. During that time, God is training and building people under the leadership of Moses. And one of those individuals is a man by the name of Joshua. Now, if there was not a book, called Joshua in the Old Testament, I'm going to venture to say that we would probably not know about Joshua. He would be one of those obscure individuals sort of hidden in the uh, the time of history where he was just another person. But thank God that, that God, through the direction of the Spirit of God, decided to give us the book of Joshua so we could see this morning how he dealt with obstacles. But now he becomes the leader. Moses is gone now. And Joshua is front and center. God from the very beginning has made promises. I think Ryan makes that really clear when he preached through the book of Genesis. that God has made a promise to His people that He would always be their God. And that they would be His people. And you know that is the same to this day. It has never changed. And so as as... Joshua takes up this mantle to lead his people, God's people. The second part of God's promise to them of taking them into the promised land found in Deuteronomy chapter 34 comes into play here. We're not going to read that. I would like to, but we have a couple other passages to read and I don't want to get too long. You'll fall asleep on it. And I don't want that. There's a very important principle as we go through these next few verses that we all need to keep in mind. Now, don't let this wash over your brain, okay? Because i am if I was sitting there, I probably would. Irregardless of who the leader is, God still wants us to follow Him. Now, we could pause here for a moment, and I'm not one to interject political thoughts and ideas into a sermon, but let me just say this. Irregardless of who's leading our country, God still wants you to follow Him. doesn't matter. Teenagers, children, whoever your parents are, you say, I wish I had a new set of parents. God still wants you to follow Him. Irregardless of who your wife is or husband is, God still wants you to follow Him. It doesn't matter. So with Joshua in charge, away they go on their journey of faith, learning some very, very important lessons on the way. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Sometimes circumstances in life seem to be in an idle position. it says in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. city was extremely fortified. When things happen in life and things come to a standstill, what then? I mean, no one's coming out and no one's going in. God is going to give Joshua a command to do something and nothing's moving. Nothing's happening. They can't go in. Nobody can come out. What now? Now, you know what a parenthetical statement or phrase is? We have one here. Really, if you think about it, You need to go back a few more verses in chapter 5 and pick this up to really understand what's going on here in Joshua chapter 6. So, drift back a few verses in chapter 5 to verse 13. When it says, Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn, In his hand and Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or are you our adversary? And he said, no, rather, I am indeed come as captain of the host of the Lord. So Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And Joshua did so. Keep that in mind. Keep that phrase, the last part of that verse 15, in mind. Because this is going to come up often in the life of Joshua. That no matter where you are in life, because God is a part of your life, that's a holy place. So no, no matter what your circumstances are at work, and you say, there's no escape for me here, no matter what your family situation is at home, and you say, I wish I could get out, but I don't want to, and I don't know what to do. and Wherever you are as a believer because God indwells you, guess what? That's holy ground. I think this is really crucial to Joshua because now he's going to come and he's going to take a look at Jericho and he's going to take a look at the predicament that he's in and the situation he's involved in, and he's going to say, nothing is moving. Nothing is happening. And so before Joshua takes one more step, God wants him to know this very important principle. Joshua, wherever I am, that's holy. That's a special place. And Joshua, don't ever forget that. Because some things are going to be tempting when you get to that point. So don't ever forget that principle. And so now he comes to Jericho in verse 1 and he looks at the city and nothing is going in, nothing is coming out. And then in verse 2, things get a little bit fuzzy. And the Lord said to Joshua, and I highlighted this in my Bible. Maybe you want to as well. I don't know. It just jumped out at me. See? 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 what? I mean... Joshua looks at the city and it's at a standstill. We look at situations in our lives and they're at a standstill. And God says, see? And we go, what? See what? I don't see anything. But see, because God is a part of our lives, He sees it. And He knows it. And He wants us to see it. Well, what is Joshua supposed to see in verse 2? He says, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant warriors. So, in this corner, we have the military of Israel, which really doesn't amount to much at this point. And you've got the priests. And then on this side, you have the mighty military of Jericho. Now, it's not a massive city but it is a fortified city and they have a strong army. And in the face of all of that, God says, see, I'm going to give this to you. Now, how could Joshua see this God's way? How could he see this? In the midst of this, and he's looking at it, and it's a difficulty that he can't get over. He can't get around. He can't get under. He can't go through it. Back in Joshua chapter. 1. You don't have to go back too far to see this. Joshua chapter 1. I think this is one of those passages we need to read. It's another thing I love about our church. We read scripture and hopefully that's not boring to you. I know sometimes it can be. I hope not. Follow along with me, would you? Joshua one one. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. And he had this to say. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Listen to this. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given to you. Just as I spoke to Moses. Now this has to be going through the mind of Joshua, would you say? He stands and surveys Jericho. Nothing is moving. Not a soul. It's fortified. They're not going in. This has to be crossing his mind of what God said to him on the passing of Moses. Verse 4. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even as far as the great river Euphrates, Land of the Hittites, the great sea, toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. I love this. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Now Joshua is going to need verse 6 in Joshua 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to the law which Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Keep that in mind, would you? Hold that thought. So that you may have success whenever you go, wherever you go. And then he tells them again in verse 9 to be strong and courageous. The promise is finally being fulfilled from Deuteronomy chapter 7, particularly verse 24, I want to read that too, and then we'll we'll move on, okay? Flip back, it's just a few pages. The book prior to Joshua is Deuteronomy. If you want to read one of the first five books of the Bible, make Deuteronomy one of them, because it's a very practical book. Deuteronomy chapter 7, look at verse 17. Now this is this is God speaking to Moses prior to Joshua being the leader, and this is something that Moses would have handed down to to Joshua. He gives them some warnings in chapter seven, and then some promises beginning in verse twelve. And then, if you go on all the way to verse seventeen, he says, "If you should say in your heart these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them. You should you will." you shall well remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. The great trials which your eyes saw and the signs and wonders and mighty hand and outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send a hornet against them until those who are left and hide themselves from you perish. You shall not dread them, for the Lord your God is in your midst. A great and awesome God. God doesn't let this go. That thought that He is an awesome God. And the Lord your God will clear away these nations before you little by little. You will not be able to put an end to them quickly, lest the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. But the Lord your God shall deliver them before you and will throw them into great confusion. And here's the verse. And He will deliver their kings into your hands so that you shall make their name perish from their heaven. No man will be able to stand before you until you have destroyed them. Whoa. Hebrews 11.30 is going to make a lot more sense. It's, it's, going, to, it's, it's going to become vibrant. When you look at it in the context of the walls of Jericho falling down flat, as God works in the lives of His people, teaching them some very important lessons, that number one, He is the Lord God, first and foremost. Irregardless of how big the obstacle looks, He is God. Irregardless of how difficult the obstacle is, or the hurdle that you're trying to jump over. or Whatever it is in life, He is the Lord God. And first and foremost, it doesn't matter. That's what He wants us to keep in mind. You say, that's it? That's it. And then second of all, He wants us to remember His promises. Because here, Joshua is not jumping out on a limb going, I can do anything because God is on my side. And then he jumps into the water, gurgle, 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 and he sings. Now Joshua is, ba- is going to base everything in Joshua 6 on a promise. On a promise from the almighty, awesome God who said, I will allow you and cause you to defeat all your enemies. Now it's not going to happen overnight, remember that? That's what he says, it's not going to happen overnight, it's going to happen little by little. And here's one of those things in life that we can relate to. Those little by little circumstances that are in our lives that cause us a great much difficulty that we can't deal with and we don't know what to do about. And God says, you're my child. I will give you the victory over those things because I know when I do, my name will be honored. That's what it's all about. It's not about us getting out of the lake because we're going to drown or not dying in the car accident because someone might miss us or losing our job because we may not ever find another one like it or not getting that house because we may never get one either like it. It's not about any of that. It's about God being glorified in our lives. Now somebody tell me here, that that, that crosses all age lines, doesn't it? It doesn't matter if you're 10 years old or 90. It crosses all age lines. If you have a relationship with Jesus this morning, don't you want to please Him? Now, the rub is we don't always. So, I never never ask you are you perfect. Now, this side over here is, and that's why you ever notice this is a special special section over here. These guys are working toward being. No, I'm just. No, I'm, well, we all know that. We bumble and fumble around only. You shake your head, sir. We hit it right a lot of times. But you know what God is interested in? Irregardless of what that difficulty is in your life, what that hurdle is, what that obstacle is, that He He would be glorified in that. There's some things going to happen here. Look at verse 3. Sometimes these barriers seem larger than life and the instructions that God gives are weird. Verse 3 in Joshua 6. You shall march around the city. In verse 3. All the men of the war circling the city once you shall do for six days. Also seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people will shout with a great shout in the wall, of the city will fall down flat. And the people will go up, every man straight ahead. And I read that and I think, man, that, whoa. Now, I don't want to interject anything in Scripture it's not in there, but I've got to imagine when these jokers are circling the city here, people are looking down from off the walls, Some have said that the outer wall of Jericho was about one to two feet thick. And then there was a three to four foot gap in between the inner wall, which was 10 to 12 feet thick. Now, I would say that's fortified, wouldn't you? But there have to be some people standing up on that wall somewhere looking at these guys after day one. You know, when somebody does something sort of weird, like your children. No. No. And they do it the first time, you look at it and go, that was weird. But then they do the same thing twice, and you go, now, this is getting really weird. Now, if they do it three times, I don't know why, but three times is, there's something about three times. And so, they do it third time, fourth time, fifth time, and sixth time, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. This is getting really bizarre. And here these guys go around and around the city. And they don't stop there. On the seventh day, they do it how many times? Seven times. And I want to say to you that it's easy to get caught up in all of that. All that's going on here and all the details. And there have been commentaries written on it. This is just one way that God chose to tell His people, I am God. He did it many other ways in Scripture. This is just one way he says, I am God, and you guys don't forget this. And I can do whatever I want, anytime I want, wherever I want, in any way that I want, because I'm God. But what we're trying to prove here, because I'm God, is that I want my people to trust me. And I want my people to follow me. And I want my people to remember the great things that I've done. Don't forget, I'll do it again. Isn't that awesome? That is great. And that's what God is all about. Now Joshua has no manual to follow. No precedent except earlier the crossing of the Jordan River. But keep this in mind, and this is another principle in life. Just because we trusted God once before in life, that's no, that doesn't mean that we'll have future results the same. Doesn't it always seem like things are always different? That God works in different ways in our lives? Even sometimes in the same situation, he works different. So Joshua can't look back on this and say, well, I don't, have a, I don't have a manual to follow it. If I do A, B, and C. You ever had a leader tell you that in church? If you do 1, 2, and 3, 7, 8, and 9, and 10 will happen. If you do A, B, C, X, Y, and Z will happen, and you try it and it doesn't work. And so here Joshua goes, not blindly, because he has what? God's promise that he will give into the hand of Joshua, Jericho, and any of the other nations surrounding him. That's that's the promise. Why? Because he's God and he wants people to know that. And so here Joshua goes. Now this sounds like a ridiculous human military strategy. It is. I do not know in the history, and I don't know all of history, maybe you history buffs can help any other military genius that's ever done this. And I'm going to guess that this is not a, uh, will not be put in a manual for future military strategies. But this is what God said do. So evidently, this is what Joshua is going to do. God's goal is to get His people to trust Him and not the plan. I think the next time we find ourselves in a situation trusting God for something, only to find ourselves in the middle of the march discouraged, remember, God's in charge. As long as we follow Him, He will always be in charge. God is at work before the events ever occur. That's the very nature of faith. I think this is really, really interesting in verse 5. When God gives Joshua these instructions. At the end of it, he says, um, let me get it here, and it shall be, verse 5, that when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people will shout with a great shout, the wall of the city fall down flat, and here it is. And the people will go up every man straight ahead. I read that and I think this. Why did he put that in there? Isn't it assumed that when you're in a battle, you go forward? You wouldn't think, no, no, you wouldn't think that God might have on his mind that you have these, these people of Israel and these priests and the people that want to take the city of Jericho, you, you wouldn't, couldn't for a moment imagine that here's this guy and he hears this instruction. When you hear the sound of the trumpet, forward march. That he wouldn't look over to the guy on his left or the guy on his right and say, whatever they do, I'm going to do. If they don't go forward, I'm going to fall back. If they don't move ahead, I'm not moving ahead. You don't think that human nature would do that, do you? Well, I think that's very possible. And I think it's really easy sometimes to follow the guy on your left and follow the guy on your right and follow the guy in front and follow the guy in the rear than it is to follow the voice of God. And I don't think that's in there by mistake. As a matter of fact, I know it's not in there by mistake, it's in there by design. God knows us so well that He knows it's easy to think, well, when I get in a situation in life that is nearly impossible to get through, I'm going to call so-and-so and and find out how they dealt with it. And whatever they did, I'm going to do. I'm going to bet you if we lined up anybody, just take random people, that we've done that. I'm, I'm including myself. God's not interested in that. He gives Joshua direct instructions for Joshua and all the people go forward. Don't go to your left. Don't go to your right. Don't retreat. Go forward. No matter what anybody else does around you, go forward. Now we're going to assume that all 100% of them obeyed every command. I doubt that's the case. But they did as a group Go forward. When things seem impossible, faith can break down barriers. When you trust that God knows what He's doing and the promise He's given you is true and accurate, it'll break down barriers. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. When God's plan is followed, faith breaks down barriers. Now, I don't want to bore you with all these verses, and I don't think it would. But we're going to, not going to read all of them. But look at verse six. I don't know. I maybe you're like this. You see things. This little word "so" is so special to me because I mean it. It says a lot. It carries a lot of weight. After all of these instructions that he's been given in Joshua chapter one. And he goes and surveys this land. Can you do this with me? I know you have a lot of things to do after service is over. And I know you probably got to barbecue. I know I do. And you're thinking of all the things that might go wrong or whatever you've got to do. But watch this. And he's been through Joshua 1 where God has reminded him of what's going to happen as he marches forward as the general in charge. And he surveys the land of Jericho and the captain of the host says, I'm with you. I'm on your side. And I just want to remind you of Joshua when when we talked before, you're gonna you're gonna take this this city. And then he gives him specific instructions and and tells him what to do and tells him what not to do. And then in verse six it says, So. So what? So so in verse six. Joshua called the priest and did exactly what God said do. Is he really going to follow through with this? Is he really going to? Now, here's the disadvantage we have of, of, of reading Scripture. We already know the outcome. How many of you like to watch movies from the back forward? So you know the outcome. Isn't it exciting to watch movies like that? You all guys do that? None of you would do that. You don't want to know the conclusion. I mean, a conclusion is a conclusion because it's a conclusion. Now that is worth your time. I mean, that's valuable. I mean, it is. It wouldn't be a conclusion if it wasn't at the end. But Joshua doesn't know the conclusion. He's just trusting God to bring about the conclusion. The disadvantage we have, I already know what's going to happen. The walls are going to fall down, just like God said. But I'm telling you, when you're in the midst of this, and you're a part of this, and God is working in your life like He is in the life of Joshua and the children of Israel, that is exciting. To see God work and to see the walls fall flat. And you say, hey, it works. When I trust God because He's God, it works. And so, Joshua does exactly what God tells him to do. Now, there's a temptation when in the midst of situations in life to take a look at that obstacle and to measure the walls, right? You want to check and see what can be done to get over them. You ever done that? You say, I want to... to, I want to measure this thing. And I'll break it down and dissect it and figure out how to get around it. Or there's the challenge of studying the difficulties and see what can be done to solve it. Or maybe we occupy ourselves with the barrier until they become bigger than life and they just engulf us. Or maybe we just get to the point where we talk to the walls. You know, if I can convince them to move or fall or I don't know, maybe something will happen or I'll just ignore it. Joshua's not going to do any of those. So Joshua and his people move forward. The ark, which represents the presence of God. The priest, which signifies the representation of God's presence there. And the trumpets of ram's horns, and seven being the number of completion, and the horns were a way to communicate in verse six with the people. The armed men in verse seven. This is what I don't. I don't want to go through all these verses, but I love in verse seven when he said they go forward. He says to them something in in verse ten. I mean, can't you see this is so practical? But Joshua commanded the people. Now they're going forward. Okay, he commands them prior, saying. You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard. Now I underline this in my Bible. Just, Nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you. Now I would be done there. I'd be done there. Anybody with me? Come on now. I know not all of you are introverts. Do you know what it's like not to say a word for seven days? We'll start now. You wouldn't make it seven seconds, some of you. I wouldn't either. Do you know I think this is in there? I can talk you out of doing what God has told you to do. And so can you. Your family member can talk you out of doing what you know God has told you to do in His Word. And they can do it in different ways. God doesn't want anybody talking anybody out of going forward. Move forward and don't speak a word until I tell you to speak a word. Now there are a lot of people that have suggested, and I'm not here to say that it's not accurate, that God wanted at one time everybody to shout, and the shout is what dropped the walls. Well, if you want to believe that, That's fine. There are many commentators that believe that. I look at this because God deals with us as human beings in practical ways. And with all of those people surrounding each other, it would be very, very easy for people to say things. You know, can God really do this? I mean, come on, guys. This is sort of stupid. I mean, when you think about it, right? I mean, do you really think when we get there, this is actually going to happen? And by the way, it's day five, and I am exhausted. I don't think I can make it. And we could just go on and on and on, and sooner or later, some people are going to start falling out, falling back. And pretty soon, you're going to have two people instead of 200 people. Which, by the way, I don't think would have meant anything to God, do you? Walls are still coming down. But anyway, six days they march, Seventh day in verse 15. Again, we won't go through all these verses, but they march, they march, they march. And drop all the way down to 22. I want you to see this. This is so much like God. In verse 21, they, the walls fall down. They, they utterly destroy in verse 21 everything in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. So Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the harlot's house. What? How did that get in here? Go into the harlot's house. And by the way, that's prostitute for those of you that don't don't know. And bring the woman and all she has out, out of there as, as you have sworn to her. So the young men who were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brothers and all she had. They also brought out all her relatives and placed them outside the camp of Israel. They burned the city with fire and all that was in it. Only the silver and the gold, the articles of bronze and iron they put into the treasury. However, that's another word I underline, I don't know why. However, verse 25, Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all she had Joshua spared. And she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day. For she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. That's why they saved her and her family because she helped the spies earlier escape their enemies. So we're in this difficult situation. And we don't know what to do. We know know that as a believer, God has given me this promise. And he says, go forward, and and as you go forward, do this. And so, we are. We're moving forward. And he says, don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right, don't talk to anybody, don't get counsel from that, just do what I tell you to do. Now, listen to this. All the while, while he's working in your life, he's working in somebody else's life, connected to your situation. Now, before we get all caught up, which we are selfish people. I'm a selfish person. Thank you, Mike. Mike and I are selfish people. Anybody else want to be honest? We typically are selfish people. Now, we do a lot of good for other people. But I think even Ryan says what a lot of us would agree with when it comes to his family. We're second. I'm okay with that, right? He's just being honest. Now I know that He knows that there's a lot of work and He's admitted that. And We all have a lot of work to do before we understand that we're all God's children. We're all important to Him and it's not me versus you or me first and you second. But that's how we are. And so we lose this idea of that while God is working in my life in this situation, He also is at the same time working in someone else's life that is connected to my predicament that I'm in. And when I realize that, things begin to open up in my life, and I say, it's bigger than me. It's larger than I am. So why do I want to engulf myself in my problem, my obstacle, my difficulty, when God, number one, if I follow Him and the promises that He's given me by faith, He'll work this out. And all the while when I get to the very end of it, I'll look back and say, God, not only were you in this, but you were working in the lives of other people as well. And when I think about that, I think of how great God is. Let's pray. Father, I don't don't want to say any more. I trust that Your Word has been shared respectfully and reverently and nothing has been taken for granted or no liberties have been taken that You did not desire. I pray that more than anything, all of our hearts and desires would be to follow our God. You love us. Every person in this room would admit that. You love us. You love me. You love all your people. Why would you not have our best interest at heart in attempting to glorify yourself? Father, even irregardless of whether the outcome may look bleak or when we get there, it might not might not resemble what we thought it should be. That our goal would be in life to make sure that you are glorified in the midst of not only your people, but to think of all those people during this process who saw the God of Israel work. Amen.